What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 79 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and this time I'm joined by Ash Paulson. Could have had Andre here. We were trying for it, but unfortunately, he has a sore throat. So he's sort of mending on that, trying to get that to feel better. And uh, hopefully next week he'll be here for episode 80. But until then, Ash, how you been? Pretty good. I've been I've been really busy. I know it's been a couple of weeks since I've been here. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think. Last week... I was in New York. I, had, I was. Uh, it was a New York thing that uh, the Andre and I went to the Nintendo World Championships, and things just got crazy. So mm-hmm. they weren't able to be part of the podcast then. And then I believe before that, uh, it might have been because of my wife and I celebrating our 10-year anniversary that I was out that night. I don't know. Oh, if it was that's the same not important night, at all. You're just I know, making right? Excuses. <laughs> I know. Um, but I know. I, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. It's just been absolutely crazy. But I'm happy to be back here again this week. And. Uh, yeah, I can't complain too much. I had a great time with Andre at the Nintendo World Championships, even if they didn't uh, announce anything, which I still think is just kind of crazy that they flew us over there, even though they didn't have an announcement planned. Um, but I had a great time. Like, we basically just met a bunch of other gaming YouTubers and, and game journalists and drank free beer together and watched <laughs> a bunch of people pl- uh, compete in video games, which was awesome. And uh, I got to talk at length with the Nintendo Power Couple, who are just the most delightful duo of people. I adore them, and uh, if they listen to this, then there's their shout-out. But <laughs> we got to talk a lot of, um, just about games and stuff, and um, yeah, just onward and upward. Yeah. Just, uh, not, yeah. It's, it sounds like a great time. Like That was the weird thing. It's like, okay, well, I think that's why we decided, because initially I was going to be the one going to that, because... I'm the one that's closest, but when Nintendo actually offered up an invite to in, uh, invitation to both you and Andre, you got we were all like, oh, "Wait a second, does this mean something big's going to happen? <laughs> is something I know is is, is something going to happen at this?" So we we're like, "All right, well, let's have you guys go, you guys go. I'll maintain, um, you know, uh, basically home base." And uh, that way you could too can work together to get whatever might be there. You guys are really good at that. You're used to it from E3. It just all works out. It's like, all right, that works. And nope, nothing. They just wanted to come out and uh, take a look. (laughs) I don't know. Well, there was ARMS 3.2, which was, I guess, cool, but not definitely not the kind of, you know, massive announcement we were expecting. You know, we were, I think, uh, you know, unofficially we were kind of hoping for a Smash announcement just because it seemed like something would happen if they're going to fly a bunch of people across the country for this thing. And, of course, you know, one of the games you can associate with the Nintendo World Championships is Smash. So Mm -hmm. I think that's what we were unofficially hoping for, but... As the night drew, you know drew on, we were like, well, maybe maybe they really did just fly us over to just talk about it and tweet about it and get the word out. Yeah, and that's basically what we did. I mean, yeah, basically, I was watching the entire thing, and I can de- I can definitely say I don't know if it had how many people actually had watching the whole thing. It definitely seemed lower key than like a direct, for instance, which makes sense. But I was not seeing as many people comment about what was going on with the Nintendo World Championships as I do for like Nintendo Directs. At you know, coming back to not. them, uh, it just it, it wasn't getting as much of a Twitter presence as I was watching because you know I'm not really doing much. <laughs> I'm either watching them or preparing in between games. Like, ooh, are they going to announce something now? Nope. <laughs> and then yeah, getting all that ready. Uh, so yeah, it was just. Uh, a very low key thing, but I still really enjoyed it. I had uh, a whole, I did a video basically giving my comments on it, on it and uh, we had you guys' footage of the crowd there, and I, I was surprised how small the, uh, the the theater was for that. Like, is it is it just the way the cameras made it look? But it did. Uh, was the place very big? It seemed like a pretty, a relatively small theater. 
Uh, I would say it was mid-sized. I don't think it was particularly small, uh, but I also, I mean, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't giant like some of the some of the theaters you see for like say the press conferences for e3 out here in la Mm -hmm. but it certainly wasn't tiny like it was a nice place i mean it was it had multiple floors um we were up on like up on the deck with like a a view overseeing the entire theater so i definitely wouldn't say it was small maybe it was just the camera angles but Mm -hmm. i would say it was a nice mid-sized theater okay well that's good yeah, yeah and cool. uh, it was just it was a lot of fun and I'm also just lucky I was able to go because when Andre asked me I'm like well when is it and it thankfully we were flying out Friday and I was able to get it cleared with work because you know had it been like a <laughs> fly out on Tuesday and come back up come back on Thursday there's no way I could have gone because I can't just take off work like that but I was able to work it out when I was like hey I'm just gonna you know head out a couple hours early on Friday and spring for some in-flight Wi-Fi and so I'm still around but, uh, you know, it was just the weekend, so it was something I was able to do time-wise. Yeah. That sounds like pretty reasonable. And uh, Yeah. Did you guys get to do much uh, in New York itself, or is it just mainly the championships? Mainly the championships. We went to the Nintendo World Store. Um, yeah, I got a shirt. I got a Kirby shirt. We just took some pictures. I actually ended up unintentionally taking one of my favorite selfies of my like ever like I, I'm not photogenic or at least I don't consider myself photogenic and I don't usually take great pictures so I'm very hesitant to take selfies and I usually reject most pictures of myself but I just took this selfie in front of the Mario swinging down the flagpole mm-hmm. at the Nintendo New York store and it just happened to turn out awesome with the like the composition and like the my the way I'm smiling I'm like okay I actually took a selfie of my like that I want to use and and maybe even use as like a like a an avatar on Twitter and, and Instagram yeah. and whatever. So uh, I'm actually using it right now and as my Discord. Uh, oh, nice avatar thing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so yeah, that, that that was fun. And we of course ate and drank at a couple of pubs in the mean in the meantime. But yeah, no no sightseeing or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I you know I've been to New York a few times now thanks to Nintendo events. And every time I go, I always it always ends up being right around Penn Station. So it's really within walking distance. Like it's it's a ways, but it's I don't mind walking around New York. I don't know. I find it interesting and fun, and uh, you know always plenty to see. And I always make sure to detour, give myself a little extra time and detour just a little bit so I can hit up the Nintendo World Store and see what they have that time around. So uh, I'm guessing they didn't have any SNES classics. <laughs> uh, I don't think they had any classics, but they did have a really cool display where they had like uh, they were almost like cardboard title cards of each game's like title screen Ooh, next nice. to each cartridge. So they had like a whole Super Nintendo, Nintendo Classic display showing every game in the classic, and that was really cool. But I don't think they had any uh, Super Super Nintendo Classic <laughs> units themselves. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that, I've been there a few times. I, the reason I asked is that the one time I went, like everybody was talking about how hard it was to find a Switch at the time, and um, I went there and I saw like three or four of them. I was like, oh well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> they did have some Switches, and if if it was to be believed, just by what you see out on the shelf being what they actually have in the back. I was surprised to see that they had at least one Splatoon 2 Pro Controller Mm. because I thought those were super rare. And I I mean, I assume they are anyway, but I was just surprised to see at least one that seemed to be perfectly for sale at the Nintendo New York store. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Now, there's always something cool to check out. Like, like if you go there often enough, the the displays don't change too often, but it's mm-hmm. still, uh, you know, always cool to check out. It's, it's definitely if you're in New York, it's definitely something that you want to check out at least once. 
Uh, oh yeah. And if you I mean if you're if you're a New York and a Nintendo fan, you basically have to go. Like it's, <laughs> and I'm still hoping that at some point they do like a Nintendo LA store because I think that would be really cool. And then I wouldn't have to go to New York to go to that store. So uh, <laughs> yeah, can, no, I mean it is really cool though. It's very unique. Yeah, you just want to be spoiled. <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, we're already so spoiled out here. I just want to be more spoiled. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> uh, what else have you been up to? Anything, uh, or is it just that's basically it? Um, basically just, yeah, just work and kind of keeping things together with work and, and, uh, yeah, uh, I've been playing some stuff. I've been, I've had a little more time lately to play some games. Of course I did review and I finished Axiom version, reviewed that, mm-hmm. uh, for the Switch, but also just in my spare time, I've been playing, uh, Final Fantasy XII Zodiac Age and I finished Horizon. I told you I would. Mm-hmm. I told everyone who doubted me, all the doubters thought I was just going <laughs> to leave it be and not actually finish it. Nope. I, I just wanted my long stretch of time to actually enjoy the ending, and my God, did I enjoy that ending. And I've also been playing Metroid Samus Returns, so I've, I've had a little more personal gaming time lately, and that's been nice. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I want to see if I can try to maybe fit in Uncharted Lost Legacy before Mario. Oh, God, I completely forgot Mario. about that game. <laughs> I know. Me too. And it's like I, I actually, well, I made the mistake of playing the de- the uh, demo for Nier Automata because, of course, you know, everyone says it's awesome. So many people have personally tweeted at me and been like, dude, you've got to play this game. And I'm like, I don't have any time. But I made the mistake of playing the demo. And, yeah, I have to play Nier. I, <laughs> just just the vibe of it and just thematically, it's so it's so everything I love. It's got a very Xenogears-esque soundtrack, which sold me immediately. I'm like, okay, damn it. Yeah, I gotta, I'm sold. I got to play this now, too. So I don't think I can fit Nier in before Mario, but I think I might be able to fit in, fit in Uncharted and then maybe play Nier after Mario. Yeah. I, uh, I, I haven't really been playing much beyond... Uh, Fire Emblem Warriors. <laughs> That's because uh-huh. uh, we were. I was very lucky in the fact that uh, Don, Nintendo Don, uh, actually got an extra code for for Europe, Europe for Europe, and so he has his own for review. And he also got an extra one, and he offered it up to us or to me, since I'm going to be the one reviewing it. So I've been very fortunate to be able to get it a little bit earlier than most other outlets and actually play through the game, which is good because that. The review embargo for uh, Fire Emblem Warriors in Europe is coming up quick, and as far as I know, I don't think any U.S. people have gotten it yet. So, oof, I don't know what's going right? on there. That yeah, is there's some freaky. weirdness going on, huh? Yeah, a little bit, and I, I don't know what's going on there, but I'm eternally grateful because this is not a small game. I mean, think Hyrule Warriors, uh, of course, the length and all the stuff to do in there, and yeah, the, like there's a lot to do in this game for the, and to check out and. Thanks to Don, I'll be actually ready to to have a review for the embargo. But if it not, I would have been scrambling. It would have yeah. been. It would have been. I would be really freaking out right now. So yeah, we'll see how that all goes. But I've been mainly playing um, Fire Emblem Warriors. I haven't really had time for too much else, which is a shame because so much else is coming out. I mean, I, I picked up Stardew Valley. Can't play that. Haven't had yeah. time for Hat and Time. Haven't had time for Cuphead. Haven't had time for a lot of different things. Although I did get a chuckle out of the fact that um, uh, with Horizon Zero Dawn, they're coming out with a definitive version of that, which will include the new DLC, and you get the whole package for fifty bucks. And I'm like, sweet, I'll wait for that. It's <laughs> a good thing. Hey, yeah, no, I I totally get that. I mean, I'm glad I didn't wait only because I've gotten to really experience the joys of such an awesome game already throughout the year and mm-hmm. you know that that 
basically eliminates any possibility that I wait for the complete edition then don't have time to play the complete edition. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, maybe I end up paying a little more for that and the DLC, but you know what? I definitely got to play this game that I'd been so excited about, so that's worth it to me. Yeah. Uh, but, oh my god, for those of you who have not played Horizon yet, including you, Derek, yeah, the the Definitive Edition is absolutely the way to go. And I'm so excited. We're like two and a half weeks away from the Frozen Wilds, which is the Horizon Story DLC that I've been so excited about. And, yeah, I mean, so I think I did it actually the right way, because I finished it basically at the beginning of October, so I only have a month to wait for this great new story DLC, or I assume it'll be great, and, uh, yeah, like, what a great game. It's obviously going to be part of my Game of the Year conversation. That's still going to be an impossible conversation to have this year. I Um, I have no idea. (laughs) No, me neither, but uh, I'm so glad that DLC is coming out soon. That game just seems to keep on giving, and... I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of how that leads into whatever they have planned for next, because I, I definitely get the sense that Horizon is planned as a franchise, or at least as a series, like a three-parter or something. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not just one game, because it leaves some interesting things open at the end of the game. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm, I definitely want to check it out. I want to check it out. It's just that, you know that whole problem of time that keeps popping up, and I, I will constantly go back to it until I can finally declare that I've beaten it. But I still have Persona 5 hanging over top of me. And I did play <laughs> I a little you. bit more. I was able to play nice. a bit more. Uh, not since I last talked about it, of course. But I, I have finished, for those of you who have played, up to... Uh, I got Futaba on my team and then I had to stop there. So I'm working towards the next story sequence there. And I think I've made it past the halfway point with that. But there's still okay. so much in there. There's so much to do. And... Oh my god. <laughs> it just keeps like I I know it's a long game but I just need to find the time and it's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh between oh, I hear you. between Fire Emblem Warriors finishing that up, uh making time for on my own to play Super Mario Odyssey cuz that needs to happen. I'm sorry uh <laughs> Persona. I'm playing Odyssey. <laughs> oh, totally. Well, and, and, of course, I say I've got to play Odyssey 2, which I do. That's going to be, like, my top priority for my personal gaming time. But you know that just as Odyssey comes out, I'm probably going to get my review copy in of Sonic Forces because I'm doing that review mm-hmm. since you're busy with uh, Fire Emblem and other stuff. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be done with Fire Emblem as far as reviewing it this week. But not, not, then I have, uh, well, compilation stuff that I want to do because, you know, there's just like Hyrule Wars, there's plenty of stuff to compile and show off in that way. Exactly. That will take a, that will take a lot of time so people would be interested in it. But I also have the looming twin specters of Pokemon and Xenoblade Chronicles <laughs> 2, and I'm looking at those like, I am so screwed. <laughs> exactly. And plus, I mean, I feel like I'm everything's coming full circle, like I'm closing the loop because of all the, the funny conversations we've had about how I'm just as big a Sonic fan as you are, but I've almost never really gotten to talk about or cover Sonic on the channel because it's been you. Well, we did that co-review of Mania, and now I'm going to be reviewing Forces for better and worse. Because <laughs> no matter what happens, I know it's just going to be a mess because... If the game doesn't turn out to be that great as it's looking that like that might be the case, obviously the Sonic fans are going to be pissed if I end up giving it any sort of negative review. However, if I you know if it actually ends up being really good and surprising everyone and being pretty cool, I'm it's I'm going to be a sellout. And how could I possibly give Sonic <laughs> a good you know it's it's going to be a lot of fun no matter which way it goes. You know I've actually walked that tightrope pretty well with Sonic fans. Yeah. Like I've never felt attacked by Sonic fans at all for okay. my reviews. Uh, I've, they've always come. They've always, I think, thought I've been fair to the games. Now, some people were like incredulous that I only gave Sonic Boom a meh, and uh, and I 
I think I gave Sonic Lost World a like because I would have given it a like. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. I, I honestly, I predict I might be wrong about this, but I'm going to predict that Sonic Forces is probably going to be on the same level as Sonic Lost World, where Perhaps. there's good ideas in there. It's just that they don't coalesce into something that really works for it. I, I honestly, at least based on my playtime with it so far, it shows like E3 and such. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that my final thoughts about Sonic Forces and my score or whatever are, are going to be directly correlated to how often and how required the hero character is. Mm-hmm. I, like, I have a feeling that the less you have to play as the hero character in the game to, like, get everything out of it, the more I'll probably like it. It's like an, an inverse proportion because, <laughs> again... Every time that you and I both have played Sonic Forces, we're, we, we're in agreement. Hey, classic Sonic feels cool. He feels like he does in Generations. Modern Sonic feels great. Cool. It's that damn hero character. He just, <laughs> it doesn't feel right. It, it, yeah. the, his midair inertia, it makes no sense. Yep. I, like I said, I kept falling in that same damn pit. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I'm like, I am not this bad. I know I'm not. Yeah. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Yeah, um, no, I hear you. I, I the thing is, I probably will pick up Forces because I do want to check it out. Unfortunately, Sonic games tend to be a little sh- pretty short, so I should be able to like squeeze that in where I can and exactly. uh, see what I think. But yeah, it's 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 a weird weird thing um, for for that whole I for that whole game. But we'll see. Like right now, my big like I like I said, my big panic is still Pokemon and Xenoblade. Like I have no idea when those are coming in and yeah. How, how I'm going to split up my time. Also, I'm going to have to clear out a lot of space. <laughs> like, I've got to make some liberal use of my external hard drives. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be fun. I'm looking... The funny thing is, is, like, as much as I'm, like, dreading them, I'm also really looking forward to playing both those games. Like, I cannot yeah. wait to try them out. No, me too. Like, that's the thing is, that, you know, despite whatever, I'm still looking forward to it. And, and yeah, I mean, it's it's really, there's so many games coming out anyway that you can't really afford not to be excited. You just kind of have to take it all as it comes and be like, okay, I'm going to play this now, play this now, this is coming. Oh, yeah, while I was busy with this, this is also coming out. <laughs> so, you know what, let's just play it all and see where, where it all lands. Yeah. I, to me, I mean, I, I feel like December might be my catch-up time, you know, where, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll have Xenoblade Chronicles 2 done or close to done, hopefully, uh, by the time it comes out, uh, thanks to a review copy, hopefully again. Um, but then I have all of December. I can finish Persona 5. I can maybe steer, start near, near Automata. I can catch up with the other games that I haven't played in a while. It'll be so nice. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. And also, in, in the midst of all this, you brought up Cuphead, which I also picked up and started playing, and I, I think it's brilliant. But, again, just haven't had time to go back to it with the other stuff I'm playing it, playing at the moment. But that is on my mind. It's on, you know definitely on mm-hmm. the docket. And I'm, and, I'm yeah. so glad that game's doing well, too, because I, I heard it just hit a million sales, which is great to hear. That's awesome. And it really it, it, They deserve it. Oh, totally, because you heard about how they had to mortgage their house and everything, right? Oh, I totally did, yeah. It's yeah, they they sacrificed everything to make this game come out, and thank God it's it's doing well for just for their sakes, you know. Like that's yeah. a ridiculous amount of pressure to put yourself under. But that's well, I'm, I'm glad that the game. I'm glad the game ended up being you know actually ended up being fantastic enough to speak for itself. But I'm also happy that to to see that you know Microsoft, which is a company not really known for their at least not known these days for their uh, em, you know embracing of indies 
are seem to be putting in the marketing dollars to really, really make sure this game gets in front of people's eyes. Mm-hmm. Because I've been seeing several commercials for it now. Yeah, I've and seen. I'm a really lot glad to see Microsoft putting some marketing dollars behind it. Yeah, and I think that w- it's it's just one of those games that will immediately capture your attention. Just seeing yeah. it in action, like all you need is that first five seconds from those trailers, those uh, commercials that get get put in front of uh, YouTube videos, and like that'll catch your attention. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Although I will say that it is not, you know, as 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 eye catching as the animation is and as great as the gameplay is, Cuphead is not for the faint of heart. It actually is. I mean, I think when you when you've grown up and cut your teeth on games like this, like we have, it's not as impossibly difficult as some other people have made it out to be. Mm-hmm. But it's not easy by any means. It is not an easy game, and it's not a forgiving game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think it's it's not necessarily as hard as you know it might be if you haven't played the, these kinds of games at all before. Because like like I was able to beat several of the actor of the world one bosses on my first try. I'm like, okay, I think I get what they're going for here, but it's not forgiving mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, that's that's how I sort of felt. It's like, okay, this is it's tough, but it's not impossible. When I was playing right. through my doing my game and watch, and I took on a good sub, subset of the uh, act uh, world one bosses. Um, so it's it's one of those things where I, I do want to take the time to go back and play it, and uh, actually. Uh, finish it and all that, but it, it's it's one of those things. Like it, it feels like just the right amount of challenge, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see how that all uh, goes. But before we move on beyond games, actually, I just found out today that uh, I'm actually uh, getting out of the house on Sunday. <laughs> You're actually leaving the house? Yeah, it's That's weird. Crazy. I know it's weird, isn't it? Weird, isn't it? No, <laughs> I'm I'm going with uh, some friends to a Renaissance fair in uh, Maryland. And uh, nice. that'll be a good time uh, heading out early so to meet all of them, meet up with all of them down there. And it's I I went there. I went to a Renaissance fair. I want to say two, maybe three years ago. Had a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just going around, seeing all this stuff, having the food. <laughs> the food is the the food is the, stuff, the thing I'm looking forward to most there. <laughs> like the, all the crazy like oh I don't fair, fair type stuff. Like I uh, last time I went, I had. Um, Steak on a stick, which is basically what it is. It's just take a strip of steak, put it on a stick, and there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, and that's also stuff like funnel cake and mm. just all sorts of delicious goodness. No, mm. of course you're excited about the food. I would be too. I remember that one, th- that previous time. I actually, one of the things I bought was cookies and milk. They gave me a cup, this big cup, filled with some of the softest, warmest chocolate chip oh, cookies yeah. with a nice big cup of milk. And I'm like, oh, Hell yes, this is so good. <laughs> like it's so simple, but I'm, I don't. I care. would be all about that. I I don't care. I love milk and cookies. Mm-hmm. Like give me just some good Toll House chocolate chip cookies and a nice glass of cold milk, or even just give me a box of Oreos and cold milk, and you got to pry those things away from me. <laughs> are, are you know? Is there? I mean, there's a reason cookies and milk are so you know celebrated as one of the greatest food combinations of all time. And that's because it actually is. Mm-hmm. There's there's no hype there. It actually <laughs> just is. They go together perfectly. Yep. So I, I'm I'm going to be doing that on Sunday, which of course means I won't be able to stream Paper Mario Sticker Star. And I did a little poll on Twitter to see what people wanted me to do to, since Sticker Star wasn't around. And uh, I'm very grateful to my uh, the, the people on there. They, they most of them have been voting for just take a break. Don't worry about Sticker Star. Don't worry about <laughs> trying to stuff it in as well along with uh, Pokemon Emerald. Or don't worry about replacing it with Emerald uh, on Saturday. Just just go enjoy yourself. <laughs> People won't be out of the mm-hmm. dungeon. <laughs> which is, That's good. Yeah, which is Sticker cool. Star is, yeah, it's, uh, 
I, you know, I don't, I don't have this seething hatred for it that Andre does, but it's ha- cer- I don't, cer- I certainly don't like it. Have you? And have yeah. you beaten the whole thing? Or sadly, yes. Although okay. I, I, I will say, I, I'll come out right and, and say it. I used a guide to beat the final so, boss because it was so obtusely designed. I didn't want to deal with it. I don't know how you'd figure out to beat any of these bosses, right? That, yeah, that's that, actually a great point. I am eternally grateful. I am being coddled. I will say that right now uh-huh. when it comes to Sticker Star because I have the chat constantly being able to tell me you'll need this this is when you need to look out for this and i'll look at those tips because i don't want this pain to last for much longer this game is is terrible like there's there's no reward to anything you do it's just let's get through it and not even the writing can really help you all that much and it just comes across as tedious and the boss battles which might which should be these apex points like here okay Use your knowledge, use what you can, and really figure it out. And no, it's all about you must use this at this point in order to overcome it. And I have no idea how somebody would figure that out on their own and not just go insane. And here's the thing. I completely get why Andre hates that game more than most people. As you mm-hmm. said, you used a guide. I'm using No, it. no, only for the final boss. Okay. But, yeah. Granted. So you were going nuts for trying to find hidden blocks and all these other crap, crap too, uh. in the levels. Okay, I can kind of get that. But Andre was playing a review copy, which means there are no guides available. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, so I get it. Having to do all that on his own, figuring out all those bosses, all those hidden uh, obtuse puzzles, and the final boss on his own. No wonder he hates the game. I'm surprised yeah. he gave it a two when we were still using the number scale. Well, I remember he he actually had to. I think he got you know he and other journalists at the time had to work together to give each other tips because nobody knew how to get through the game. Yeah, they and it's so obtuse. Yeah, they kind of had to work together, but I think most of the time it was Andre helping the other journalists figure out how to do all these yeah. different things because yeah, well his uh, past and guide work. So I completely get why he hates that game so much. Uh, well, and, yeah, exactly, and, and it is. Not been great for me, but again, thank God for the chat because <laughs> I am getting a abbreviated version. But it also kind of works out because I got the first three worlds done. Take a little break, then we'll knock out the final three worlds. <laughs> well, the good news is it really only goes up from there because Color Splash takes all those problems and takes that formula and actually makes a good working game out of it. So it basically takes everything that didn't work <laughs> about Sticker Star and throws it out the window while maintaining Sticker Star's overall formula, but in a, in a way that works. Okay, I'm very yeah. curious about that. It's you know I don't think I'm gonna hate Color Splash because it just plays like Sticker Star, but I can totally get people being like, nope, nope, I'm done after Sticker Star. If it plays like Sticker Star, I want nothing to do with it. No, and I, I, and it, yeah, I, I definitely completely get that knee jerk response. Like I wasn't, yeah. I, I didn't, mean, I didn't get it at first before I played the game. After playing it, I totally get it. <laughs> It is a shame, though, because, I mean, Color Splash is, it's good. It, it has its own mm-hmm. charm. It has its own quality. Audio-visually, it is an absolute treat. Like, I mm-hmm. actually still think Sticker Star's soundtrack is pretty damn good. But oh, yeah. Color Splash has, you know, it has a fantastic soundtrack on top of being a, a pretty good game, too. Yeah. So, you know, it, it obviously summarily beats out Sticker Star. But audio-visually, Color Splash is just a treat. And I can't wait to see what you think when you get there. Yeah, if I, if I could uh, praise Sticker Star for anything, is it? it's a good-looking 3DS game. It sounds good. It, it is. Play, it, the, the visuals are excellent. But everything else, oof. <laughs> you know, speaking of good-looking 3DS games that uh, and, and also ones that are challenging, but in a, in a way that makes sense and not an obtuse way, mm-hmm. uh, I did want to touch on Metroid Samus Returns really quick before we move on. Just yeah, yeah. Because I am really... 
I'm having a good time with it. Um, I just feel like, and I was telling you this before we started recording, I feel like you could hit Samus with a feather in this game and she and her power suit would explode. <laughs> like, she is so fragile. But at the same time, as you said, once you get a feel for her movements and how she plays in this game, you very quickly become imp- empowered and, and you realize exactly in which way she's powerful mm-hmm. in this game. See, I, I noticed that it was getting my, uh, like, you would get your butt kicked, but I also, it kind of tied into how I typically play Metroid games. And that's not just running past everything in order to, like, shoot, shoot, shoot. Oh, no, I took a few hits, but I'm going to keep going. No, I kill everything in my path when I play Metroid, and I don't know if that makes me weird or whatever, <laughs> but it's just how I played, and it worked out for how fragile Samus is in that game. It was, yeah. and uh, but I did notice when I was started doing that in the end game when I was still searching for all of the uh, hidden items and everything else that's when I was like holy crap I'm down to half health and I've just been running around for a little bit how did this yeah. happen uh, and it, it's nuts but that's when I really noticed how much damage enemies were doing even before that I knew how much they would I could see how much they were de- doing but then I did a, another run through with uh, for a speed run to try to get that special ending and failed at but um, or for the special end screen not ending um, and uh, going back through, knowing all the movements and whatnot, I was like countering constantly, uh, taking out everything nice. in my path. Like I felt actually empowered. Like, oh, sweet, this is all about skill. Like your equipment helps, but if you have the skill to handle it, even in the early going, you can make it really simple on yourself. And I actually really appreciated that. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It's like it, it's incredibly rewarding when you're able to figure out a boss's pattern on the fly and eke out a victory, even though every hit is doing like almost a, a full tank of damage, <laughs> if not more. And uh, I mean, it's it's clearly designed. The the game is clearly designed for you to kind of take a trial and error approach to boss battles because you can respawn right outside of the boss chamber. So mm-hmm. it's not like you have to go back to your previously, you know, your previous save point. So I think they pretty much designed it such that they expected you to die over and over again until you kind of figured out each boss's pattern. And I'm, I'm cool with that. Like, I'm not against that school of design. I think I just kind of wish maybe they toned down the damage just a little bit more, just so it didn't feel like the game almost expects you to fail first. I, w- mm-hmm. I, I really love boss battles where, yeah, they're challenging and there's like a real threat of losing, but it's not so oppressive that you can't course correct and learn on the fly and still eke out a victory. Yeah. And, and I feel like it can be a little too punishing in that sense sometimes. There were some of them where I got where I encountered that where I was like um needed to figure out the, that one special trick I needed to do and then once I did it I got much more of a flow when it was great it was really great but then there'd be something a little bit more up too. So I'm I'm curious what you'll think when you actually fight the dig or not. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I I'm making good progress though. I just got the wave beam. So I'm mm. uh, I'm I just got to actually well I got the wave beam and I now I just entered area 3. So Okay. I'm making decent progress and uh, looking forward to seeing what else I discover. But, you know, I I will say that uh, as much as I was not a fan at first of the 3D models and 3D, you know, presentation, even though it's a 2D game, it's growing on me. And, uh, you know, I also wasn't a fan of it being a 30 30 frames per second game because I'm used to Metroid games being 60. But, you know what, like it's coming together for me and I'm I'm seeing what they went for with the presentation and everything feels good. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think I'm reaching my point of like okay i i get what the scope was for this game and i'm enjoying it for what it is mm-hmm. no i i honestly love the game to death i think that they did yeah. an excellent job with it i uh like what they did i know it can be difficult but i still think that that's why i don't recommend it as a first metroid game that's I, true it, it yeah. should not be somebody's first metroid absolutely not but if you have at least one game under your belt you know what you're getting yourself in into with this game and 
Yeah. You can definitely have fun with it. And I, I really do like the game uh, and what they did for Samus. Like, I'm, I want to see this formula applied to a new entry in the series and see what they do. Like, I want that counter move needs to be back. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, to you death. like it? Oh, I love it. Yeah, it, it's, it's cool. I, and I, and I, I don't feel like it's gotten. It's not as hard to time as some people have said that it is. Like, mm. the way some people describe it, it's like the most difficult to time thing, well, and it's so punishing. Something to it's keep not it, that hard. Well, I, it was a little tricky at first for me to get the timing right, but I think another yeah. thing that helps you a lot, you love your rhythm games, so That's true. I, you can totally get into a rhythm. And my platformers. I mean, yeah, straight up. I love my reaction timing type challenges, mm-hmm. so... So I no, that's a good point. I think that's where you might have a little ease because I had problem with, problems with it too. But once I encountered that enemy enough, I was I got their patterns down and I could handle it no problem. Uh, it just took yeah. me a, a little bit longer. Um, well, I, yeah, and I also heard a lot of people complaining about the Aeon abilities and so like how the the lightning armor, for for instance, like drains your Aeon bar way too fast, and I'm always running out of Aeon energy. No, it doesn't. Like I was able to get through those red flower things, no problem. Mm-hmm. Like I don't quite get some of the complaints. It's I gotta say, might be when you're doing like if they're using against regular regular enemies and getting Maybe. hit like that because it's supposed to accumulate like it drains the bar that bar rather than your health. So maybe that's why it's draining so quickly. I, I have been bad about that. I. I constantly forget to use lightning armor in actual combat situations. Oh, I, do I too. only bring it out for like the the red claw things. Same here. Because the yeah. thing was, before the game came out, they made it seem like you don't need the Aeon abilities, and you totally do. Yeah, uh, and I that's why I was like very iffy about using it at first, and I, I just couldn't break that habit. Second mm-hmm. playthrough, I definitely made you much better use of all of them. But Makes uh, sense. that first one, I was like, I don't want, to, don't think I should. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I'm enjoying it, and I gotta say. Yep, definitely. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and get to the news topics for this week. Uh, a few things here and there. Uh, we already talked about the big one with the uh, whole Game Boy Classic rumor, so uh, don't really need right. to. Uh, we already spent an hour and 15 minutes on that one. Jeez. Um, <laughs> right. That was a fun discussion, though. It was. But uh, first up is uh, Ed Boon uh, actually said that he could see Injustice 2 working on the Switch. Now, he said that it wouldn't, they would probably need a, uh, another team working on it to focus on a Switch version of the game if they were actually to go forward with this idea. Because he didn't say they were doing that. It's just that he could right. see it working. Uh, it, and he actually said his team itself, like if they st- started from the beginning, they could have a, all three versions four versions, really, if you count PC, uh, going at the same time and have no issue. It's just now that the game's already out, they need they would need a separate team to work on it as they work on other things moving forward. But that's a good sign that you could look at a game like Injustice 2, which looks very good, and it, it would need its own framework and everything else, that could appear on the Switch. Like, it's, it's easy to underestimate what the Switch is capable of, and it is lesser than the other systems, but it doesn't mean it can't handle those game, games with a little bit of work. No, and I mean, on, frankly, after playing Doom, I, I don't really want to hear any third-party excuse about trying to get a game running on Switch. Doom looks fantastic for what the you know for playing a game like Doom on a, what's essentially a handheld tablet-powered device. Like, it's really impressive, and that's not to say that you know, like you you said it perfectly, getting Injustice Two working on Switch will, will require, I'm sure, a, an enormous amount of engineering. It's not as simple as just you know, pressing the Make Switch version button. Not at all. But I have very little doubt that in, that the Switch could handle Injustice 2 after seeing Doom. Like, it might take some optimization. It might take some, you know, some engineering magic. I don't know. But if Doom can run on the Switch, I think Injustice 2 can run on the Switch. Mm-hmm. 
I think the biggest hurdle for third parties when it comes to the Switch is getting those file sizes down. Because I keep hearing these yeah. stories about how huge some of these third-party games are on the Switch, just how much space they take up. And yet Nintendo can get their games very minuscule, and despite having so much content on them, like they, they think they need to share those secrets so they can keep those down. Because, uh, I mean, I have the biggest mini SD card available, space-wise, in my Switch. But I know they have the thing that will go up to, what, one terabyte or two terabytes? I know it's uh, compatible with that, but those aren't actually available yet. <laughs> so Right. Yeah. Well, and it's just, it's, I, I yeah, you, you brought up Nintendo's engineers, and I swear to God, man, Nintendo's engineers are wizards. I routinely don't know how they're able to fit the games they make into such small file sizes. It's absolutely nuts, and, and I agree. They need to share their secrets and get the and get third parties in on the action because I, I think it, that is a big part of the the challenge is keeping those file sizes down, and uh, but I think we are going to see more and more ambitious third party projects and or ports for the Switch. Now that I mean the Switch has more than proven itself by this point, and Bethesda's just full out support with Wolfenstein Two and Doom and Skyrim. I think this is the beginning of uh, of a uh, deluge. I gotta say, I think I mm-hmm. think third parties are opening up to the idea that hey, the Switch is not another Wii U. The Wii U was a was a one time failure for sure, mm-hmm. but the Switch is a, is a completely different ball game. And I think people are seeing <laughs> starting to see the sales numbers, and they're like, okay, we got to get our stuff on Switch. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if we actually did see Injustice Two on Switch next year. I I could see it happening, or at least whatever NetherRealm Studios works on next, having it having it on a Switch at the very least. Um, but yeah, I think they're also seeing the success of indies and how well they're doing on the Switch, and be like, you know, might not be a yeah. bad idea to get that on here. So unfortunately, because of all this success, we're definitely going to have to start watching out for uh, shovelware titles because that was a problem, major problem with the Wii. But I don't think it'll be as bad as the Wii because <laughs> the Wii just lent itself to shovelware so much. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. And I guess, you know, I guess it is a double-edged sword. I mean, I think the Switch has definitely been a poster child for the idea that what's under the hood doesn't matter as, as much as some people would like to think it does. Um, because the Switch has been, you know, obviously we've seen that the Switch has been capable of pushing some really, really great-looking games that maybe people weren't expecting of such a, you know, a tiny system that's essentially a handheld. Mm-hmm. Um, however, on the other hand, on the other side of things, we may see examples such as Sonic Forces where maybe engineers who can't or you know don't have time to optimize their games for the switch you know sonic forces we're seeing is running at 720p on switch both in handheld and docked mode at a at a hard 30 frames per second we hope it's a lock 30 it may it may not be and that i feel like they could have gotten more out of that game for the switch Mm -hmm. like at least in dock mode maybe not handheld that's fine but at least in dock mode i feel like they could have maybe gotten 900p 30 frames i don't know i'm not an engineer myself <laughs> but i feel like sometimes there is a risk of going too far the other way where if you don't have the time or desire to optimize for the switch then maybe we might be seeing games that don't run as well as they should yeah i i think that's uh very likely but it, it's again it's growing pains i'd say more sure. than anything else and still people, first year exactly yeah. we're still in the first year people are still figuring it out and uh, I guess seeing if the demand it is for games on the Switch is maintained, and it seems to be the case so far. People definitely want games on their Switch, and going off of that, um, the uh, producer of that remake of Secret of Mana on the PS4 uh, actually addressed why the game 
is not uh, coming to the Switch. And he actually said development for, development for the title began before the Switch was announced. So it was definitely beyond our expectations to see the level of anticipation for the release on the platform grow this much. In terms of our current circumstance, we are unable to immediately state that this will become available on the Switch, but we hope to continue listening to the various requests from our fans. So basically they already had it in the works before the Switch was even a thing and with Nintendo needing to send out, of course, dev kits and all that stuff, it wasn't an obvious choice at the time by being to be like, oh, we should probably put this on the Switch as well. People will want that. Now they know. So hopefully it's something that'll happen in the future. I I don't know. I'd still be satisfied with that port of the the compilation. (laughs) I know, right? Um, You know, I got to say, though, I, I, I... Fully believe that story. I mm-hmm. think that's completely reasonable, and that's actually much the same thing I said uh, when we were at Sega. least put forth with not with Sega too, but also with Capcom when we were discussing why the hell the Mega Man Legacy collections aren't on Switch. Mm-hmm. Like I actually believe that it's entirely possible that Legacy Collection Two began development before Capcom A had Switch dev kits or B had any idea that the Switch would not be another Wii U. So. You know, it may be that we're going to see third parties playing catch-up here, and now that the Switch is obviously has proving itself, um, that we'll see some of this these highly requested games on Switch. I mean, the Secret of Mana re- remake, I think, makes sense for Switch, and, and the, from the way the producer, the way he words it, it sounds like they're really thinking about it now that they realize people want this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm with you. I, as much as I do enjoy the remake, and I'm looking forward to it, like, I really liked what I played at PAX, and I don't really understand why people are so down on it. Um, I still, like you, would really want to see that compilation of the original games on Switch as well. Or at least on the U- in U.S. Yeah. North American Switch. Yeah, it's on, or it's on Switch, but I want a U.S. release. Like, let's yeah, get exactly. an official release of Psyche and Detsetsu 3. So, yeah. So, hope is there. It hopefully will happen. But it's just, you know, it's we're still experiencing this first year growing pains. And I think the second year third parties will, I think, be able to sort of real uh, realize some of the things that people really want right now. So here's hoping. Yeah. Now, if we're sitting here and having this conversation next year at the same time, then no excuses. But mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we're definitely in that time where where third parties are like, oh, crap, okay, we need to course correct and actually support this thing because it <laughs> isn't another Wii U. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we were talking about Sonic earlier, and actually uh, there's, there's a, quite a bit of Sonic news uh, coming out, especially in regards to Ian Flynn. So we there was uh, one of the other thing that happened in in New York was the New York Comic Con, and during it the ID, IDW had a panel for their Sonic comic, which they revealed premieres in April 2018, and uh, one of the writers for it, the writer for it, as far as under, as from what I understand, is going to be Archie's Ian Flynn, which. Thank God, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'm sure other writers can handle it. But Ian Flynn has shown time and time again that he gets Sonic so well. He gets these characters. He loves these characters. And it, with him working with IDW, it's like, all right, IDW, get Mega Man. Get Mega Man. <laughs> yes, know? please. No, I mean, ju- just as Ian Flynn seems to have been put on this earth to write great video game comics it, it's it, it's like in the same way that patrick spaziante seems to have been put on, put on this earth to draw fantastically accurate versions of popular video game mascots like his sonic and his Mega Man are unmatched they're mm-hmm. so good and just like i just like ian flynn i cannot imagine anyone other than ian writing sonic and Mega Man comics he's so good at it and he he's got this approach where he takes these kid-friendly properties but really like 
marries them with adult or at least you know forward thinking issues like he doesn't pander he doesn't dumb things down for kids he doesn't make sonic mm-hmm. a dumb character because it's a kid's comic no like he challenges kids i feel with sonic and mega man and characters like that in a good way and and like the you i can read the mega man comic at my age and be like whoa okay this is a cool like it's making me think and like they're really going into what makes mega man mega man and and kind of you know the mm-hmm. the difficulty difficulties he has trying to you know, justify destroying other robots with the fact that he is a robot and he has to, like, protect humans. It's really good. Mm -hmm. And Ian Flynn does that same thing really well with Sonic, and I think Sega thankfully knew that, and they knew, look, we cannot, even if we can't have him continue the Freedom Fighter plot line with Princess Sally and Bunny and the Saturday morning stuff, we still have to get him to helm whatever new thing we're going to do. Yeah, and I think they realize what the fans want because I think one of the, at least a, a poster f- during New York Comic Con also had artwork by Tyson Hess, who did nice. the uh, the Sonic, um, oh, the, the, the Sonic comic that was more recent uh, that was based around the uh, Genesis games, uh, right. sort of adaptations of those, as well as the opening movie for Sonic Mania. So yeah. his, his drawing style for Sonic is... So good, at least classic Sonic. Like, holy crap, that looks that just works so well. Oh well, yeah, because so. it's essentially a modern take on the Sonic CD cutscene art style, mm-hmm. and it's so good. Yeah, no, he's absolute. I'm so glad he's involved. Same thing with Ian. I, 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 I guess my only sad, or I guess the only thing I'm still sad about is that you know, for legal reasons, they can't keep going on with that same wonderful storyline they had kept going since the original Saturday morning cartoon. Like, mm-hmm. I am going to miss characters like Princess Sally and Antoine and Bunny. Like, it sucks that they can't keep using them. But, of course, legally, I completely understand why. Yeah, it's sort of what you have to do. But, yeah. uh, I mean, fortunately, Sonic does have a lot of friends, so he can <laughs> make uh, exactly make do with that, and we'll see how he handles it. But uh, I, I will say this. I saw what happened with Archie. I don't know how if IDW is the same way. I honestly don't know how it all works because I usually stick to trades. And for Sonic, I can see myself, you know, I'd be I'm being like, you know, I think I'm actually going to get the individual issues just so I can read it because I still have not caught up with all of Mega Man because yeah. they never re- Archie has not caught up on the trades. So, so you got to do what I did and just buy all the individual issues. I've got all 50 sitting in a stack yeah. in my room. I thought there were 65 uh, Mega Man issues. Well, I guess if you consider the crossovers. But oh, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was just the base 50 and then the crossovers with Sonic. Okay. I believe. I could be wrong. It's been a while. I'm not I sure. It was. But yeah, I, yeah, I was so disappointed when the the, 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 the trades never came out. And that's why I, I like the yeah. trades because I can easily stack them. I do think that was more of an Archie thing. From what I understand, mm. Archie's just in a ton of trouble. Like, they're they're bleeding money. They've got no management that know what they're doing. Like, I've heard tons of horror stories about Archie internal business. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling that IDW will helm the ship a lot better. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, they, they seem to handle uh, Teenage, Mutant, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles very well. I've heard very good things about some of their other properties that they've handled. Like, they had that whole Batman TMNT crossover that apparently was pretty good. <laughs> I didn't hear about this. I have to go check that out. Wait, you didn't hear about that? There's, There's a Batman TMNT crossover? That sounds sick. Yeah, and they said uh, that they it, apparently it's pretty dang good. and it, I think did so well that they might be doing a sequel uh, comic to that as well. I am 100% going to go check this out. That sounds like the perfect crossover. Like, I got to check that out. The only bit I've seen is that... Uh, you know, Raphael and Batman are standing in an alley, and I don't know if Raphael says anything, but Batman says to him, 
this is where my parents died, Raphael. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. This is so cool. I gotta go check this it's out. It's one of those ridiculous things. Like, I've, I've only heard that it's pretty good. I've not seen it myself. I don't go to comic shops enough to really see it myself. But, yeah, it'd be cool. Okay. I'm all in. I gotta check that out. I'm, I'm <laughs> making a note to go research that after. There you go. Yep. Yeah. I know it's a thing. I know that for a fact. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, well, continuing with comics and Ian Flynn in general is that he's also the one writing the four-part Sonic Forces preview comic, and the first part is out now that you can read, and it sort of focuses on maybe not the Avatar character, but an Avatar-like character that's helping out with yeah, you know, the defense against Eggman and how he wants to be braver, and he's looking up to uh, even just the Chaotix because they're able to fight and all that. So it's you know it's short, it's nothing spectacular, but it's as a tie-in, it does its job. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think they're maybe trying to do a little humanization of the Avatar characters because the way the Avatar characters are presented in the game, so far from what we've seen is that they have no voice, or at least they have no specific characterization, mm-hmm. right? No, like, no, none of their own lines. They're basically just silently reacting to everything Sonic and everyone else says to them. Yeah. So this might be their their attempt to kind of humanize these, these Avatar characters and give, give them some context in the larger world of forces, which I'm down with that. I mean, you know, it, it's the I've read part one. It's a pretty basic story, obviously, and you've got this, this hero character or this unnamed character who's trying to make a difference, and... It's, it's basic stuff, but it works, and it definitely gives me a better idea of what they're going for with the whole hero character angle. Mm-hmm. Here's or a, avatar character, whatever it's called. Yeah, well, we'll see how it turns out, but here's hoping they do something with it. Or, I mean, it's nice to have Ian Flynn connected to this. How about this? Have Ian Flynn write the story for the next Sonic game. <laughs> I am so on board with that. Have Yeah, have him write like the story for Sonic Mania 2 or whatever. Or, or something. Whatever 3D Sonic game comes after Forces. Yeah, I he could totally kill it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see him just give given reign on for, 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 for some of the games and seeing what he can come up with and do something original and I don't know, have fun with it. <laughs> and whatever he comes up with, I can guarantee you it would be better than a Werehog, Chip the Chipmunk, Dark Gaia, like any of that stuff that's that or Princess Elise, like Sonic <laughs> 2006 in general. Like, no, anything that Ian Flynn comes up with, it's going to be way better than most of what (laughs) Sega has put out in the official, like, modern Sonic games. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see see what they can do with him or what he could do with it, given that kind of reign. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Well, the next bit of news is actually going way back in time. Um, And... We've talked about how we were fans of Soul Calibur 2. We said it was the best one and how GameCube was the best best version because it, because it had the best guest character as well. Plus, it was just it was a really good game. However, apparently the PS2 guest character was originally supposed to be Cloud from Final Fantasy VII. Man, that would have been a much closer fight. <laughs> oh wait, that would have been so much better than Heihachi, and uh-huh. just so much more interesting in the and just in the gaming sphere because Link and Cloud are already pitted against each other in various fan you know fights, and also mm-hmm. in Smash Brothers now. But like you know, Link Link is Nintendo's signature swordsman, and then you have Cloud, who's like one of the signature swordsmen of the entire game you know game character collection essentially, and. To see those two go at it as the PS2 exclusive and the GameCube exclusive back in the day, uh-huh. fireworks would have just flown everywhere. Oh, uh, that would have been so good. I, I, here's the thing. They would have sold multiple copies. 
Each person, yeah. like I can definitely see somebody buying both the PS2 version and the GameCube version. Yeah, and I mean, Hey Hachi's okay. I mean, I guess he's he better if you're a Tekken fan, and I like Tekken, and I mm-hmm. get, I understand Hey Hachi's significance. Like he's cool, but Spawn was lame. Yeah, and and then, but then you have Link, who I mean, as cool as Hey Hachi is, even as a Tekken fan, it's Link, yeah. man. You can't you can't compete with Link, but Cloud can. Cloud totally could compete with Link, and that would have been so much more interesting to see. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can just sort of envision what they could do with Cloud in a Soul Calibur game. Oh and, yeah, and especially how they handled Link in that. Oh my gosh! Especially with all the different weapons they had and joke weapons they could. They just look at the lineup of weapons he had in Seven. Use that. Make those weapons available. Ah, oh, it'd be so exactly. cool. That would have been great. Oh man, I it, man, I wish Square Enix had been able to work with them and make it happen or something like that but yeah apparently talks just fell through with this idea and it's just like damn <laughs> now imagine if your if your future self came to you during during that time during soul Calibur 2 and was and told you like hey look listen cloud was supposed to be the guy for the ps2 version instead of hey hashi it sucks but look but wait i know it sucks <laughs> but just give it give it several years and cloud's going to be in smash brothers how would you have reacted to that i would have like you're freaking high <laughs> right it's like get Get, get out of here, future me. You're not actually future me. That can't be real. It makes no sense unless Final Fantasy VII ended up on a Nintendo console. Yeah. Yeah, it still doesn't make sense, but whatever. Exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness. But yeah, what could have been? Yeah, that would have been so... Just That would have fueled... I mean, already the console wars back then were pretty heated because that was back before... I mean, that was back when it was still Nintendo versus, you know, basically Nintendo versus Microsoft versus Sony, but mm-hmm. that was before the Wii. So there was still that, that you know drag out battle between the PS2, GameCube and Xbox, which eventually the GameCube kind of lost. But it was still everything was just been was firing on full cylinders back then. And it would have been mm. so cool to see Cloud and Link go head to head as like the two representative console exclusives. Yeah, the poster boys. Oh, it would have been so cool. Yeah. Oh, oh well. <laughs> yeah, uh, such as it is. Yep, way it goes. Well, the final bit of news we have here is that the SNES Classic has already been successfully hacked. (laughs) Hell yeah, it has. Yep. So now, uh, apparently, it's relatively simple uh, that for people to do, I uh, you can put on the games you want. It'll actually apparently the program that uses it will even hunt down the box art, and it still has the uh, save point functionality and all that stuff. And not, I don't think every game is compatible yet, uh, from what I can tell. Uh, mm-hmm. I did a little bit of research, um, but a wide a wide variety is available, and I think they're still refining the tools to make it even better. So, I'm all about it. By the time I'm able to get, uh, I have a hacker friend who lives in Vegas who hacked my NES Classic for me, and by the time I'm able to go visit him, I'm sure they'll have completely perfected the hack for the SNES Classic, and every game will be <laughs> compatible, and it'll be perfect timing. So. I 100% plan to hack my SNES Classic. I just don't know if I have the guts to do it myself because it does sound like, as you were saying, uh, as you also found, Derek, you were doing the research, and it, you can definitely brick your console if you're not careful about what you're doing. Yeah, it, from what I've been told, it's if you lose the kernel, which is basically the core of the system. Um, right. But one of the things they do, even in this step-by-step process I found, is make a backup. Save it. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah. Nice. Like, make a backup, save it, email it to yourself, keep it around. So if anything goes wrong, you can just put the kernel back in and you're back Restore to it. basically factory settings. Yeah. Um, so, 
yeah, that's what that's that's sort of how it was described to me. But there's still that tiny part in my mind always being like, <laughs> you know, if I try this, I don't want to screw anything up. I got lucky and actually got this damn thing. I don't want to mm-hmm. destroy it, you know, and make it not work anymore. Like I'd feel devastated by it. So I think I think I am going to wait just a little bit longer. If I'm going to attempt this, uh, maybe wait for you to do it. <laughs> Let your hacker friend do it and see how it goes. Nice. Um, well, I was going to say I'll wait for you to do it. And if you tell me it's easy, then I'll go ahead and do it myself yeah. and not wait on my friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see what exactly happens. I do know I did find in, when I was researching this that a the, uh, there was a Reddit thread that compiled um, – that's been compiling the ROMs out there and available and whether they work perfectly, whether there's small issues or whether they don't work uh-huh. at all. And uh, it's Illusion of Gaia that you're really into, correct? That you're, that's well, I mean, uh, that's one of your, it's one it's of, one of your favorites. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one of my favorite games yeah. though, for sure. You might be upset. You might want to wait because apparently that one's having some issues. No, I know. I know it has some weird special effects. It definitely used uh, heavily utilized mode seven on the world map. I know that for sure. Um, I don't know what else it would have been though. That's that's a that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Illusion of Gaia of all games, not like not uh, C two chip games. Like I think it was C two chip, like Mega Man X two, and mm-hmm. that's, that's actually weird. I think I think I saw X two was also having a little bit of issues as well. But I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure about that. I haven't looked at the full list or anything like that. I just saw that there was one, and because I know you like that game. I looked at that one. That is, yeah, <laughs> that is definitely one of my favorites. I mean, there are a million. Games oh, there's on the of my so SNS many classic, but that is definitely one of the biggest ones. But yeah, God, I mean, Illusion of Gaia, you know, X two, X three, Mega Man seven, Chrono Trigger, uh, Uniracers. I want Uniracers. DK, Tetris Attack. DKC two and three. <laughs> DKC two and three. Like, yeah, there are so many games I want to add to this thing. Yeah, that's that's the thing. There's like there's so many RPGs and stuff that I missed out on that I'd be like Lufia two. Mm-hmm. They'll be oh, like, ah, just have a chance to try it again, you know? And then, yeah. like, I never played the SNES version of Aladdin. I had the Genesis version. So I, oh, yeah. So I don't know what, I, I can actually see what's different. <laughs> yeah, they've got just so much Super Mario All-Stars and mm-hmm. uh, Turtles in Time. God, there's just so much <laughs> I could add to the SNES Classic. Yeah, it's not infinite, though. Yeah, I think there's only 300 megabytes to work with, so... You, got you know to. what? I can I can give me sixty or seventy games, however many that is to work with. I'll make it work. <laughs> there you go. It, yeah. you can still come up with a dang good list. Exactly. So we'll see. We'll see how it all develops. But it is one of those things I'm looking at. I'm like, mm, I want to. I'm tempted. God, I don't want to hurt my system. <laughs> exactly. No, but 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 that fear and trepidation that is what separates us from hackers from like successful. Oh yeah. Like you know they push forward. They don't have. They like okay. I'm a little scared, but screw it. I'm gonna do it anyway, and I'm gonna tinker and see what happens. And then they're successful, and then they figured it out. Mm-hmm. But we're the ones who are like we're basically stopping ourselves. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's it's I I'd like to have a. Bonus one, like I've been. I actually think I want to try to find a, another SNES classic for like my nephew, because uh, he'll uh-huh. he'll be three and a half come Christmas. So I'm like, okay, that's getting about the range, and SNES would be pretty good for that. So maybe if I can find an extra one, get it for him for Christmas. Um, nice. But uh, also, if I get that, I might try hacking it <laughs> and that way like i have a backup <laughs> it's like ah. sorry nephew I, I i destroyed mine i gotta use this one now <laughs> yeah yeah he won't mind he's only three and a half <laughs> i think I, I think he'll be okay with it yeah i think so yeah 
Oh, goodness. But, yeah, that's all the news topics for this week. It's uh, been an interesting week, to say the least. But uh, let's go ahead and get into our uh, Patreon topics. And, as always, for just $1 a month, you guys can support us on Patreon. Uh, get these podcasts three days early every Friday, as well as offer up topics like the one we have, ones we have here. So, Ash, how would you like to go first? Uh, sure, I'll go first. And uh, my first topic comes from Jay Bober. Uh, and this one is specifically tailored to me, so thank you for that. I had to pick this one, of course. <laughs> and uh, Jay says, Hi, guys. I finally got the Shovel Knight art book that Udon published. So, Ash, could you tell me what it was like designing something like that? And for everyone, who is your favorite order of No Quarter Night and why? Thanks for your time. Love the podcast. So, first of all, Jay, thank you so much for picking up the Shovel Knight art book. Glad to hear you're a fan. I hope you're enjoying the book. Um, and, yeah, I'd be happy to talk about it. It may not be as interesting as you're expecting, but... Basically, it was just the uh, it was the product of a lot of back and forth emails between uh, you know myself and the the team at Udon and Yacht Club, and uh, fortunately, I live only about a thirty minute ish drive from Yacht Club's headquarters in Marina del Rey. So uh, I actually went over to their offices a few times uh, to do some hands on stuff with the team and kind of look over some art stuff and and organize pages of art and things like that. And uh, one of the coolest experiences was, um, I don't know if you've ever picked up any other Udon art books, but typically they have an interview in the back uh, with, you know, people behind the game or some, someone on the development team for whatever game the art book is about. And usually those interviews are done, they're, you know, we usually localize Japanese art books. So those interviews are done in Japan. I have nothing to do with them. I usually just edit the localized versions of them. But for this, you know, this was a book that I got to pitch and basically... We, you know, I, we made from the ground up uh, because of my suggestions. So it was on me to basically put this interview together. And that was so, it was a lot of work, but it was so much fun because I essentially just went over to Yacht Club one day and sat down in a round table setting with like six of the Yacht Club uh, games guys and just talked to them about Shovel Knight and about their experiences and about, you know, the trials and tribulations, favorite parts, least favorite parts, particular challenges and this is all stuff I would have just gone and talked about them with anyway over a beer, you know, or several <laughs> beers. And just like, you know, I would want to talk about this stuff with, with these guys no matter what. But I got to do it for, you know, an official work thing I was doing and basically got to codify it in this interview in this art book. And I thought that was really cool. So, I mean, there were lots of challenges, you know, definitely. It's a lot of back and forth, a lot of iteration, a lot of, you know, oh, you know, this minor piece of art, maybe this was from earlier in development than this piece of art that was from later in early development so let's put these pieces of art together instead you know lots of stuff like that but you know it was so much fun to do and i'm so happy that the that the book is now finally making its way to fans obviously the book suffered a few delays but uh i definitely think it has been worth it i think the the final product is definitely at the level of quality that i wanted it to be all along and I hope you guys agree as well. So thank you again for supporting the book. And uh, for those of you who do not know, if you're into Shovel Knight, you can go pick up the Shovel Knight art book right now, I think on Amazon or really wherever art books and comic books are sold. So uh, yeah, I really appreciate that, Jay. And also my favorite order of No Quarter Knight. Um, hmm. Derek, do you have a do you have an obvious answer here? I've been trying to think about that because there's so many really good ones. And yeah. uh, it, it's hard to break it down, but... I gotta say, I the my, the one I probably enjoyed fighting the most, and the one that just made me just enjoy him, uh, was probably Tinker Knight because I like that first little yeah. bit where he's just this little guy chasing after you. I'm like, well, that was it, and then all of a sudden he busts in with the big mech, and I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, I like yeah. how they played with 
his game, like how you fought him and how it was a two stage fight. And it just, it was very entertaining and I, I definitely uh, enjoyed it, but there's so many others with, uh, that I like because of personality or design. Exactly. Like um, Spectre Knight, of course, great design personality wise, love King Knight and uh, Plague Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think I, I agree with you in terms of the actual gameplay, like the fighting, you know, playing the battle. I, I got I have to agree with you. It's Tinker Knight. I love that two-stage battle and i love how you're not expecting literally tinker knight to fight you himself and he's just this little dude running around with goofy music throwing throwing his wrench at you like i i love that Mm -hmm. so in terms of gameplay it's got to be tinker knight but in terms of the who the character actually is and what they're all about and just the character development they get it's probably not fair because three of the knights get way more development than the the other five but it's got to be plague knight i adore Plague Knight. He's so... <laughs> and he's he's obviously a little terror, and he's crazy, he's psychotic, but he's also just kind of wants to just have somebody love him, which is what we all want at the end of the day. And his story, like Plague Knight and Mona's story in the Plague Knight campaign, I thought was so charming, and they're dancing together, and he's just... He's, he's a little guy who just wants to be loved, and I think that really... I think we can all kind of associate with that. And, uh... I don't know. He's just a big nerd who just wants to got the hots for this other big nerd who they're both into alchemy and they they're awkward around each other. I love that kind of stuff. So I think I got to go with Plague Knight as being my favorite uh, Order of No Quarter member. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Plague Knight is extremely lovable because of that. And, you know, there's something mystery mysterious about Polar Knight, but he doesn't really don't really get yeah. too much out of him. But good, good design. Um, I think Polar Knight would be my number three just because there is – he's like in that weird in-between between like being one of the three knights who get all that character development and the other five who don't mm-hmm. because Polar Knight does get a little. You get just enough to know that he has some sort of history with both Shovel Knight and Black Knight and that there's more to him, but you never actually get it. So he definitely intrigues me and I love his design. Oh, yeah. I'd say if we're going opposite ends – and this – again, they're still all great, but as far as my least favorite – Probably have to go with Treasure Knight. Okay. I think my least favorite would, would have to be Mole Knight. Yeah, because... it'd be Treasure Knight or Mole Knight. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Because I, I really like Treasure Knight stage, and I like water stages anyway, mm-hmm. But or I, I tend to, but I'm not as big on fire stages, and of course Mole Knight is the fire stage. So given those two, I'd have to pick, I think Mole Knight is my least favorite. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see the argument for both, but those definitely seem like the two weaker ones. For whatever, yeah. for for whatever reason, I mean, they're still yeah. fun in their own right. They still have their fun quirks to them, but exactly. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think I think for whatever reason, Mole and Treasure Knight are you know the quote unquote weakest, whatever that means. But I mean, I still like them as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like still high up, but there's somebody has to be at the bottom. <laughs> exactly. Oh, goodness. Well, my uh, first topic comes from Justin Wester, who wants to know, Hey, guys, I hope you're having an awesome week. What is the worst experience you've, you have had in a good game? Thank you for the podcast, and have a fantastic weekend. So, for me, I, as soon as I saw this one, it attracted my attention, uh, just because... I immediately thought of like immediately thought of one. That's always a good sign when I can see a question like this and be like this. And, oh, yeah. and for me, it's Paper Mario a thousand the thousand year door. Like I had a okay. great time playing through that game. There were so many great moments. But then you get to the search for General White. And Oh yeah. That is I know what they're I know what the intention is. Like, look how far you've gone, look how much you've done, look at all the places yeah. you've been. I don't 
care. You're still uh-huh. forcing me to walk to each and every one of these places, and it's go oh, so tedious, especially when you're getting to the random battles that you don't want. And yeah, it's just it just drove me mad. Like I was like, I it was it's just, I did, the game had a really great pace up until that point, and it just everything grinds through a hole. So you can search for this one guy only to end up back where you started. And it's, it, it just ends up being a frustrating experience for me. And it's a, to me, that's a pretty big blemish on Thousand Year Door. Not a huge one, but for sure. that section, it's pretty big because that game did so much else right. Right. No, that's a fair... Yeah, I, I had completely forgotten about that sequence. So no, that's totally fair. Um, I have to say, I, I have been struggling to think of a good example for this. Um I know one, and I may have even shared this story in the podcast before, but I know one that might qualify has to do with Super Metroid. Uh, and that's not because uh, of anything Super Metroid does wrong in particular. Um, I just happened to get a really, I was really sick back when I was still playing Super Metroid for the first time. I don't know if it was a flu or a stomach bug, but I was definitely out of school for like days and I had a really bad sickness, whatever. And I just happened to associate that with Super Metroid. And the reason why is because I was playing it at the time. But also because at the same time I was sick, I happened to be hopelessly stuck in Meridian. <laughs> and I would say that of you know of all the places in that game, Meridian is the one that comes the closest to being just really actually obnoxious just to try to figure out. So I was a kid trying to figure out Meridian, and it was you know this was before the internet, mind you. So like I, I couldn't go online to figure out where I needed to go, and so I was just stuck in Meridian, and I was sick, and I was trying to figure it out, and I was just I was thinking about Super Metroid so single-mindedly because, again, I was a kid and I had all this time to play it, I actually dreamt about it. And I was I dreamt about trying to find solutions while I was sleeping. And some, and a solution I dreamt up while in the throes of, I think I was vomiting, sorry for t- TMI, but I was vomiting and I was just like thinking about things because, you know, what do you want to think about when you're vomiting? Things that don't have to do with where you are in that particular moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about Super Metroid and whatever thing I was stuck at, the solution I came up with worked. And so... <laughs> I don't know what it was. It's been too long, but whatever, it worked. And so I do associate that with, you know, being a kind of a bad experience in a really, really, really good game. Mm-hmm. And uh, But again, it was rewarding because I eventually figured yeah, it out. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I wish I had more details, but that definitely is one um, that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm trying to think of one where the game itself isn't like, you know, it, it's a great game, but it has problems. And um, I don't know. Another one that came to me as we were talk as you were talking was actually in Final Fantasy IX, and, okay. and I you know like eight it had had a card game, but I don't actually I, I don't think nine's card game was as good as Triple Triad in eight. I thought it was I it felt to me like it was I knew less about what I needed to do in it, so I ended up just not playing it that much until you get to the part where you have to take part take part in that tournament and you right. actually have to beat Sid in order to continue the game. Right, I remember that. And um I hadn't been playing up it, it at all up until that point, so my cards are terrible and I just had to save and try and try and try mm-hmm. again until I could finally get past that point. It was agonizing because I was just I was like trying my best, trying to figure it out and it just felt so random and it just finally got lucky i saved the game immediately because i did not <laughs> nice want to go through that again but yeah that's another one that sticks out to me it's like uh just get me through this <laughs> yeah well I, I know for sure one that sticks out to me since you brought up rpgs uh one that sticks out to me 
is Kingdom Hearts 2. I was so excited about Kingdom Hearts 2, and I was I'd been so hyped about it for several years, and I was you know all about Kingdom Hearts. And then that damn opening, and I'm like, man, am I really as excited about this game as I thought I was? And I was like having a major crisis of gaming conscience. I'm like, I've been hyping up Kingdom Hearts 2 for myself for years. I'm supposed to be having a great time and loving this. Why does this opening suck so much? <laughs> and I'm like, do I? Am I going to stick with it? Like, I can't believe this. Then, of course, the you know the opening, which is way too long, does finally end, and you get to control Sora again, mm-hmm. and the game takes off, and it's fine. But I, I hate Kingdom Hearts 2's opening. I hate it. Mm-hmm. And that was easily an example of a really bad experience I had in a game I otherwise think is great. See, I never, I, I've never had the hateful reaction that everybody else has had to really? that opening bit. It felt long, granted, but I was also, yeah. I think I was in the throes of like, yes, I'm finally playing uh, Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, mm. And what's the mystery of this kid? Like, I actually was like, what's going on with Roxas? I don't quite understand what's going on like what what's up with this crazy town and all these mysterious things like it actually had me intrigued i wasn't one of those that like come on let me play a sora let me yeah i don't care but i'd also oh, no it had me intrigued too until i started taking on part-time jobs i want i wanted to spend more time figuring out what the hell twilight town is than working damn part-time jobs I'm like come on roxas i want to see what's gonna happen to you yeah yeah that went on like a could trim a bit a bit from that. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, they made a whole game out of it with 358 over two days. <laughs> oh, my God. They did. Oh, good. But, but I feel like that game was, like, kind of just more... It's it's average quality was kind of more just a flat line across the board. Like, it was just oh, an yeah. okay game to begin with. So that doesn't really stand out. Oh, no, it's not a at all. particularly bad part of it. But uh, actually, I did think of one more while we were chatting about Kingdom Hearts. Uh-huh. And that is Mega Man X8. Great game, but there are two stages that are absolute garbage, and they happen to be the two 3D stages. The rest of the game's 2D. Great game. Like, <laughs> I loved it. And X7 was trash mostly because it was just bad 3D. But no, X8 went back to 2D. A lot of fun, but there are two stages, Avalanche Yeti and Gigavolt Manowar, which they really, really started having trouble picking <laughs> up new Maverick ideas no kidding. toward the end there. But yeah, those two stages are absolute garbage next to what is otherwise a great 2d character action game hmm yeah, yeah. sometimes there's just those weak parts in a game they yeah. can be really good and unfortunately for a lot of them it can be like bosses or the final boss and that's a bad yeah. way to have it end like uh bioshock is one that's always brought up where great game all throughout but then you have a really stupid boss fight at the end so yeah yeah it, it, it happens but Still, for my worst, I I do have to go to Thousand Year Door just because it felt <laughs> that's fair tedious. Yeah, and um, nine is that was just my own fault for not you know playing the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, but still. But uh, what's your other topic? All right. Well, my other topic comes from Geo Diet, who asks a pretty difficult question: uh, If you had to lose one of your five senses but enhance another, which one would you give up, and which one would you enhance? I feel like I'm specking out like points for myself. Cool. <laughs> a little bit. So, thanks for the question, Geo Diet. Um, this is hard. I've been I've been thinking about this one for a while, and um, it's tough. I, I guess maybe it's a somewhat easy thing to say that if I had, you know, to lose one of my five senses, it would be smell. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like that's probably the least, you know, crucial of the five senses, but at the same time, smell enhances taste, and I'm a foodie, so, you know, <laughs> it would kind of suck to miss uh, to miss smell, but yeah. 
I think, you know, if you really bring it down to brass tacks, I think I'd be willing to give up smell before I'd be willing to give up anything else. Mm -hmm. But which one I would enhance is a little harder. Because, you know, if you enhance touch, then everything feels even better than it already does. But everything also, anything that hurts, hurts more. So I don't think it would go with touch. Um, I would love to not have to wear contacts anymore, I'm not going (laughs) to lie. If I could just wake up and see perfectly, that would be great. Um... And I can already hear pretty well. I don't feel like I need to enhance my hearing. So it really, for me, comes down to taste and sight. And then it really becomes, okay, do I care more about hedonism or do I care more about practicality? <laughs> so, see, I'm really going all in with this. No it's kidding. Like, Jeez. Yeah, so it's, you know, it would be practical to enhance my sight, but I'm a foodie, and I, and I am a bit of a hedonist when it comes to food. So, in that sense, it would be better to enhance taste. And I got to say, at the end of the day, I know my wife would call me out if I said anything other than taste. So I would probably elect to enhance my sense of taste because damn it I love trying different and new kinds of food well, I, guess, I just like eating food in general so I know yeah uh, s- um, smell and taste kind of go hand in hand like you lose your sense of smell you kind of lose so maybe I would have to actually so yeah. yeah so would an enhancement to your taste buds after losing your sense of smell counteract that <laughs> That's true. Maybe it would just bring me back up to parody. Maybe it would bring me back up yeah, to my, but then my you don't level have, of taste that I have now. But then you don't have any special abilities. <laughs> but then I'm canceling each other. Oh, see, but then, yeah, yeah then you're you getting went, into... You went the jack-of-all-trades specking. <laughs> yeah, basically is what I did, I, and which is what I do in games. So that actually is not surprising that I did that in real life, because uh-huh. I always try to maintain a nice balance between all my stats when I'm, <laughs> when I'm playing a game that lets you do that. Yeah. So... I'm not the kind of guy who's going to pump all my stat bonuses into one stat not gonna, and leave other ones one. You're not a min-maxer. <laughs> no, no. I, I guess in specific games, but mostly, no. I try to keep my, my stats pretty competent across the board. Yeah, so. I, I, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, I don't know. The thing is, the funny thing is, I went through sort of the same uh, thought process because there's no way I could give up sight, hearing, touch. Like, I, right. I could not do it. Like, I... Right. I like that's a big fear of mine, especially since I do wear glasses and everything else. It's like I don't want to lose my sight. <laughs> yeah, I'd be uh, awful. Uh, so it would have to again go be be between taste and smell, and I would also give up smell just because of that. Because I still want to be able to may not be as enhanced, but it's still at least I can taste it and get those yeah. basic flavors in there. Uh, hopefully enjoy my food. Um, but for enhance again, like you. I would go with enhancing my sight so I don't have to wear contacts or glasses or anything like that and be yeah. competent, <laughs> you know, really uh, see those color pops, colors pop, maybe actually recognize 60 frames per second for once. That's true. <laughs> Although I have to say, though, wearing contacts, as much as it, I, I can't stand it sometimes, wearing contacts is a small price to pay for a competent sense of taste. True. Because I, I, mean, that is I true do too. love the taste of just of different kinds of food. Oh, yeah. My wife and I both are foodies. So, yeah, I, I feel like I'd be willing to, to put up with a life of contacts and or glasses as long as I get to keep, you know, tasting the foods I love and, mm-hmm. and perhaps even enhance. But you made a great point about losing that sense of smell kind of puts me at a disadvantage. So I think I'm going to have to go for the jack of all trades, kind of trying to keep my <laughs> stats balanced across the board here. Oh, there you gotta, go. Yeah. There yeah. you go. <laughs> That's an interesting question. It's a great question, though. Thanks. Yep. All right. Well, our last topic uh, comes from David Mott, who says, Back in the days when you didn't have a source of income, did you ever have to make a decision over which games to trade in so you could get a new game? Were any of them you ha- were any of the, uh, them games you hated to get rid of? Thanks for everything you do, and have a lovely weekend. So, 
If I remember correctly, I never had to trade games in in order to afford something else. It was always sort of that the idea that of me trading in games, at least back in the day, because I don't do it anymore. I don't care how bad the game is. I am not getting <laughs> rid of it. Uh, yeah. It's just that's where I stand anymore because, well, because of these trading experiences. And that's because uh, at the time I was like, well, I don't really play this. I might not come back to it. I don't really need that game anymore. I can get at least a few extra bucks and maybe get this. But I didn't need to do that. That's the thing. I was never in that yeah. position. I never was required and I'm I know I'm very fortunate because other a lot of other people was basically had to trade in games in order to play something new and I I know that can be a very tough decision. But I I you know got rid of some games I wasn't exactly interested in. Like I, I think I got rid of Twisted Metal three and four. Like those weren't great games. I was okay with getting rid of those. But then I have ones that I, I kinda do miss. Like I miss my original copy of Dead or Alive 2 Extreme for the PlayStation 2 because I remember that is the big game that showed me, holy crap, look how amazing graphics are on the PS2. <laughs> and then nice. I don't have it anymore, so that kind of sucks. But then there's the big ones where I traded in because I didn't understand it because I didn't I, – I, I, I enjoyed playing it, but I never could beat it. And it was just like, eh – I got rid of Metroid 2 on the Game Boy. Oh, no. I traded that in. I'm like, ugh. And then the other one, the last one where I realized, like, I screwed up. I'm like, nope, never again. Was I had a copy of Marvel vs. Capcom 2 on the PS2. And I got rid of it because I had nobody to play with and I just didn't find it interesting. And I was shocked when I went to the store and traded in a bunch of the games along with Marvel vs. Capcom 2 and I actually got a lot of money back. I was like, wait, I wasn't expecting this. And I looked at, I saw that it was Marvel, it was MVC that got me that big amount. I'm like, oh crap, did I just screw up? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so because of that experience, I, after that, I declared, nope, never again. Not trading in any more games. I cannot do it. Fair enough. I mean, that that really is mostly my answer, too. I mean, I, I was very lucky and very privileged to have a, you know, a pretty comfortable upbring, upbringing. You know, I mm-hmm. never wanted for much, and I recognized that I was very lucky and very privileged. And as part of that, I never really was faced with having to trade in games. Um, you know, when I was obviously too young to have an allowance or a job, you know, my parents would, within reason, buy me games that I was interested in. Not obviously, like, too often or whatever I wanted, but within reason. And then as I got older and had an allowance and had a job... You know, I basically was able to make do, I guess, between, you know, I, I would get, you know, games I wanted for my birthday or Christmas or whatever. And then mm-hmm. I was able to supplement that with paying my own way for the other games I wanted that come out, that came out in the interim. So for one reason or another, what, you know, one of which is just I've been very fortunate. As a kid, I never really was faced with the idea of having to trade in games. Most of what happened to me was my games would get stolen. Uh, I had Jeez. I had a bunch of games stolen by some workers who uh, I don't know if they, I think they were painting like some walls in our house. I was like nine or ten, and they the basically heck? took yeah they stole like twelve SNES games like right out of uh, right out of my room, which really was uh, unfortunate. And they were good ones too. Like they knew exactly what they were going for. They stole games like Chrono Trigger, Mega Man X three, Mega Man X two. What the heck? Secret, Secret of Mana. Did you know they Mario stole All-Stars. them, or how did, did did you get them back, or? No, I, I ended up replacing them, but like literally there was no other explanation. They were there before those workers came, and they were not there after those workers came. So did so, your dad didn't or mom didn't confront them? Well, I, it was it was something, I think we only figured it out like 
after they were already done and they just mm. denied it. I think they'd already sold them like I didn't you know it was obviously years ago I don't remember the yeah. details but I think I think my dad tried to track them down and he was told that they didn't have them which I think we eventually found out they sold them or something yeah so it was a shame but I eventually was able to replace them all and get them all back so you know it, it, it's a happy ending but uh, I guess in terms kind of, of the, <laughs> actually yeah yeah kind of but in terms of actually uh, having to trade in games, no, I've never been much of a trader. I'd like to keep my games, and for that reason, I have next to me a very nice shelf of just all the games I've managed to, managed to accrue over the years, which I enjoy. So, um, you know, not only would I not want to trade games in, I've also been very lucky that I haven't had to. Yeah, I'm very grateful for the fact that I can look back and I still have so many Game Boy games, NES games, Genesis games, yeah. all that, and be like, Whew, okay. <laughs> Still have them. Yeah. Because, you know, you look back at some of them, like, I have DuckTales. I'm like, oh, man, trying to get that nowadays. <laughs> oh, right. I know. Before the Disney Afternoon Collection. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's funny. Like, with me, I never – I didn't really – I don't know if I got I, – I would sometimes get games in between, at least when I was younger. Uh, but the big thing for me was waiting to until my birthday and until Christmas in order to get the games I wanted. I just had to be patient. And I played – other stuff in between that point but mm-hmm. again i was privileged mainly because um all of my grandparents and this is a weird thing to say to be privileged for but the privilege came out of that all of my grandparents have had divorced and remarried so i had four sets of grandparents oh geez and yeah yeah <laughs> i was there's That'll a do there's a reason i was not left wanting i got most things i wanted so i had lists of games movies <laughs> books that's what amazing. have you and they would just they would hook me up and that's yeah and i was i was extremely fortunate because of that yeah so no it, it sounds like yeah i mean basically yeah i i didn't have quite that kind of setup but i definitely had parents and family members who were always happy to provide and and uh you know really just you know provide for me which is really sweet and i was obviously very privileged and mm-hmm. very lucky so yeah, I mean, that's essentially what I had happen to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I would get... Birthday was okay, but it would be just enough to last me until Christmas when those <laughs> games came out. And then by Christmas, that would last me until September. <laughs> that was good. Nice. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, I just keep a list. <laughs> like, this is what I want. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was crazy. But, yeah, that's my, those are my, horror, my trade-in horror stories. Oof. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I had some to share, but I really don't I don't think I've traded anything that I ever really regretted. Uh, especially also just because so much like the trade in value for games is so oh, yeah. often crap. And that's another and reason like, I decided to stop. Even if I wanted to, it just seems ever worth it. Yeah. Like you have to trade it in almost immediately to get anything back and then still you're losing about 20 bucks on it, which exactly. in other uh, ideas is like, yay, I got the I got I only paid $20 to play this game. You could have rented it. <laughs> Right, and if you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to buy a new game and all you have to trade are, you know, fairly old ones, you could easily trade ten to twelve old games, mm. if not more, for a, for the price of a single new game. Oh yeah, and there's a reason. Like a lot of game stores, like old game stores, have dozens of copies of the same sports games. <laughs> yeah, because you trade the old ones in so you can get the new ones, but nobody wants to play the old ones, so then nobody's really snatching those up and they don't really have exactly that value. At least I don't yeah. I don't like see anybody ever say like, man, Madden ninety four, that was the best, or Madden ninety eight or something like that. I don't know, any of these things. But, yeah. Yeah, that's just a uh, yeah. <laughs> but well 
I think that about covers it for uh, this episode of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, um, think about uh, supporting us over on Patreon for just $1 a month. Uh, you get these podcasts three days early every Friday, as well as offer up to offering up topics like the ones we had uh, just now. So, yeah, as always, just thank you guys so much for listening each and every week. And uh, we'll see you next time for episode 80. We are getting really Man. close to that 100 we really are i, I think with uh, with 100 i think we should all just grab a bunch of like six packs from wherever we are and just start drinking and just oh god go for, oh god real real talk. oh god drunk cast yeah <laughs> that'd be true true real something talk. oh my gosh yeah. Yeah, i always hated you <laughs> i know right i couldn't stand you yeah. i never could stand yeah. either of you yeah <laughs> exactly uh. oh goodness all right well See you guys next week. Bye.